0: Log Talk Radio
1: from Los
2: Angeles, California. It's Music Friday Live brought to you by Solar City, your source for clean, sustainable energy. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan, right here from the music capital of America. And today, we are going to talk to two people from the world of music, both of whom have a message. Singer-songwriter activist Brian McPherson, and he's the foundation director and longtime musician um Himself. He's got gold and platinum records and Grammys, and his name is Jim Pugh. And we're also going to talk to uh, singer, songwriter, and maybe troublemaker Brian McPherson. So stay tuned. This is going to be one very interesting show today. Well, this is Patrick O'Heffernan. I'm your host uh, today on Music Friday Live. And um, this is your show. Remember, our our guests are here to talk with you. So call in. You know, you can call in, talk to them, 347-215-7511. Or if you're sitting there at work and you've got your uh, your earphones on and um you can't call in, you can email us friday live at gmail dot com. That's musicfriday live at gmail dot com and we will read your questions or your comments on the air. Wait a minute, I think we have a surprise guest with us. Hello there, is this Mitre? Hello Hello, is this Mitre? Well, I thought we had a surprise guest. I can see a guest on the um the board there. We're going to check on a couple of things, so don't go away we uh We may be having some technical problems here, so we're going to uh uh just check it out. Don't go away.
0: In this linen net, keep on so I don't forget. Be my aunties, but she lives in Amor.
2: Hi there. We're back here with uh, uh, Music Friday Live, and we have solved our technical problems. No, that wasn't Mitre who was calling in, but uh, let me just tell you real quick. Mitre, who has been on the show a couple of times, is going to be at the Levitt Pavilion tonight. That's the Levitt Pavilion tonight. He's going to be on at 8 o'clock. It's in... uh, downtown los angeles at macarthur park and i'm i'm going to be there i'm going to be there too so if you want to say hi to me you can stop in and say hi to me but it's going to be a great show and you've all you've all heard him on the show here you've all uh, heard his albums on the show so it's going to be a great show also i want to tell everybody that if you happen to hear a dog bark yeah, the studio dogs are back. <laughs> yeah, Chula's back. Um she's here for the day and she brought a friend with her too. So we have two 95 pounders um sleeping in the hall, but every now and then, you know, they kind of wake up and go bark and even though we got lots of soundproofing in the booth here, um they're pretty loud. So if you hear a, if you hear a dog, don't worry about it. That that's quite all right. We are uh We're supposed to be doing that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, Brian McPherson is going to join us. Don't go away.
1: Our troops aren't the only ones fighting right now. Thousands of military families are in crisis. They're fighting financial battles, how to pay the bills, even how to keep their homes and feed their children. You can help by supporting Operation Homefront, a national nonprofit, that provides emergency assistance for military families and for wounded warriors when they come home. To learn more about how you can help, go to OperationHomeFront.net.
2: And we're back. I'm Patrick O'Heffernan, your host here on Music Friday Live. And uh, I want to welcome all of our listeners on the CyberStationUSA.com network and their radio affiliates. And also remind you that if you have questions or comments for our guests, call us. You know, three four seven two one five seventy five eleven. That's three four seven two one five seventy five eleven. Or you can email your questions to musicfridaylive at gmail dot com. I know a lot of you like to do that. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, and I know about half of you do, you can still email questions to our guest, and we will forward them to our guests. Okay, so that's live at gmail dot com. Well, Brian McPherson kind of grabs you by the ears, and he makes you think. And if he's lucky, he makes you act. He he makes you do things, do something. As protest music makes its way back into political and social change, he's front and center, telling it like it is and demanding that it stop being that way. He combines the aesthetics of Dylan and the Sex Pistols and the storytelling of Springsteen and DeFranco and the Chance of Occupy. The result is a musical monster drink that can energize a revolution. A man with no fixed address, he numbers slash among his fans, he's open for Chuck Berry, and he's been banned from singing by Walt Disney, right? He has not too many people can say all those things, and he's finished a month-long tour following a 24-date tour in Europe. He's arrived back in the USA just in time for the 2015 political season, and I can hardly wait to hear what he has to say, but I don't have to wait because he's right here. Brian, welcome to Music Friday Live.
3: Thank you. Good morning.
2: Well, first of all, you had a show last night.
3: uh yeah, played uh, last night in here in Los Angeles at um, Vacation Vinyl over in Silver Lake.
2: Well, that's a uh, that's a great place. And uh, is that the the last date in, in in the current tour?
3: Yeah, that was the that was the last show. So yeah, it went out with a bang. It was a good one.
2: Well, what do you do now? That's a good question.
3: I am uh, sorting that out. Uh, Right now, I am just resting. So I'm just going to take the weekend and just not do anything in particular. Um, And then I'm just looking at some more tour dates. Uh, I'm looking at uh, West Coast tour up to the Northwest. I'm looking at Canada. And I'm looking at getting back over to Europe for some shows. So I'll be in the process of putting all that stuff together.
2: Well, in the meantime, like the uh, Oh, Hey. Okay. Well, we could talk about that sort of off air later, but it's going to be a great party. and I hope I do see you there in Phoenix. Uh, we, uh, we happen to have some of your new album Wedgwood, which I believe you named after a stove that kept you warm while you wrote it. And <laughs> <Yeah>. we're <laughs> we're going to play a bit of it. But first, let's make sure that the, the only five people in the country who did not get a chance to buy one at a live gig uh, know where to buy one. Where can people get Wedgwood and your other two albums?
3: Well, I mean, the best place to get it is online. Um, so if you just go to my website and then the, at, at com, you can also get it on Amazon, CD Baby, iTunes, all that stuff. Um, Or Bandcamp is where I sell them exclusively myself, so there's vinyl and CDs that you can order um, through there as well, and my website will direct you to all that stuff.
2: Okay, well, if if, uh,
3: if if you're in Los Angeles, you can buy Wedgewood at Vacation Vinyl in Silver Lake.
2: Yay! And that's a, and Vacation Vinyl is a great place. If you are in Los Angeles and you haven't been to Vacation Vinyl, you need to make the uh, the trip out to uh, Silver Lake and just kind of cruise through it because it's one of uh, L.A.'s many, many, many uh, musical treasures. Well, my favorite song from the album is um, is this one. It's, it's Days of Rage, and and I want to give our our audience a little taste and then uh, and then talk about it. This is Days of Rage.
0: Why? I've seen Muhammad on the run And I took 7,000 Hindu gods Because I couldn't pick one And I've seen David Koresh Burning down i London Bridge New town People in the street With fog in their eyes Freedom reach Blinded skies, this clenched in blood with occupied signs, beaten and broken by the FBI, Calling America the homeland, reminds me of the Nazis, Soviet Union, Stalin and Liberace, Playing games up in heaven, Monopoly and Yahtzee, and we're all stars in the age of digitized Paparazzi
4: and I
2: That's uh that's what I mean when I, I said your uh your music grabs a person by the ears and makes her think and maybe act. But but I I wonder about a line in there. Uh in the chorus. Uh it, you sing I want to be free of the days of rage. Now, what do you mean by that? How, how do any of us get free of the days of rage?
3: Well, it's uh I won't be afraid of the days of rage. It's not free.
2: Ah, thank uh, you.
3: But I mean, I, I I just, I guess what that means is, you know, don't be afraid to act and speak out and take to the streets if need be, which a lot of people are, and a lot of people end up sitting on the sidelines and pointing fingers and judging and talking trash about people who actually go out and do stuff. So um, it's just a call to action, you know, if you believe in something or, or feel something in your heart to, you know, don't be afraid, like go out and go out and sing it. Come and say it.
2: Do it, your, do it yourself. Uh, we are talking with Brian McPherson about his new album, Wedgwood, and you can talk with him, too. You can call in at 347-215-7511, or you can email, and I see some of the emails are coming out already. You can email us at musicfridaylive at gmail.com. Well, Brian, your, your music forces me, and I, I think everybody in the music industry, to ask, what is the role and maybe responsibility of music in social and political change? You have any thoughts on that?
3: I have no thoughts on that.
2: Um, <laughs> I don't know. You just do it. Huh?
3: <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for a while. You know, people are starting to care more. That's all I know. Um, I think music has a role in every aspect of our life. You know, if we let it. So.
1: I mean, you're always
3: hearing about the wrong politician using someone's song in some way and getting it distorted and twisted. Um, Music and politics kind of have a weird, they're kind of weird bedfellows, so to speak. So I don't know. I mean, music has traditionally also been used with any revolution. Um, I know that modern politicians in the United States don't want anything to do with Revolution um I don't know. I think the choice is up to anyone in politics to you know kind of reach out and grab onto something if um but you know the music's there, you just gotta go get it and it all it's up to the listener to what they do with it after that.
2: Well, you were involved uh with the Occupy movement in Oakland in in 2011. And that was a really tough situation. Uh 600 people attacked the camp at City Hall. Uh the whole the movement went on for a week or more. People got hurt, they got run over, they got beaten and arrested. The port was shut down. Where were you? Yep. Were were you singing in the camps or the marches?
0: Yeah.
3: Um I was living in Berkeley, so when Occupy started happening, I had just it out, I just finished recording my last record, and I was like, "Wow! Like, finally, there's people in the streets, like, animals talking about all this stuff that I'm talking about, like, in my music and stuff." And so I was like, "I need to go there, and I need, I need to play." So I showed up down there, um like the second day, I think, and it was amazing. And I was like, "Oh, I want to play! I want to play!" And, I, and someone was booking shows because there was a big PA. And of course I got the usual run around like, Oh no, we need, you know, like here I am at Occupy and I need to like have a demo and like, I need to know the right people. So I just went home and grabbed my amp and showed up and just started singing down there and people just started coming around listening and they were like really into it. And then, um, Adam who was putting together the shows there with like the coup and, and other people, um, he he was like totally into it and he he was like you got to come play inside so there uh, there was a couple of shows we set up um like official shows like right on um right on city hall there um where everything was going down and i yeah i played alongside uh, michael moore he showed up there and did did a talk and that was cool i got um amanda palmer was in town so we got her to come down and, and play too And then there was one show I was going to do with, um, Boots Riley from the coup. I was supposed to like open up for him. I mean, so to speak, I mean, in any sort of like revolutionary, even revolutionary setting, you still have these like societal things that come about and you kind of see the birthplace of all these institutions and where they came from. So we were still like setting up shows and there was like a library and there was this whole like minimalist society like going on. Um, so on that night before I got to play late, like, that's when like a big, the big rays happened. And um, that's when the rubber bullets started getting shot at everybody and tear gas and like the whole nine yards. Um, and we were just continued marching in the streets around Oakland that night. Um, and yeah, there was just, that's when um, the ex Marine got shot in the head and was put in, into a coma and all that stuff went down. I think it, it's called Tear Gas Tuesday. Um,
2: right. Did, did you get injured involved, yourself?
3: No. I As soon as, like, I hear gunshots, I run. I don't stick around. <laughs> Me and my friend, she was, like, filming everything, and, like, the video's on YouTube somewhere, and we're, like, everyone's in the street, and then it's just boom, 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 and then just all oh, oh, hell oh. breaks loose, and everyone's just running, and no one knows really what's going on.
2: Um, oh. I want to um, I want to play a, a, another uh, song from your album that that maybe does a little statement on on that. This is um this this also grabs me by the ears and makes me think. This is a wasted world. There
0: comes a writer from a distant land. Shooter in a black armband He says the war ain't over And the waters all run dry And we're all gonna fry And the light like ghosts And she's hanging her clothes With a letter she wrote In the back of some bones It's play in the street, the bombs blew off their feet, and they crawl all day.
2: The imagery that you create with that, the rider with the black armband, the hanging in the boneyards, the bombs blew off their feet, it's so powerful. But but I wonder, uh, Brian, what, what, what exactly do you mean by a wasted world? Have we wasted our world?
3: Um, I don't know that song is the way that I look at that song is it's like a painting of um a war zone and that's all I don't And maybe, are we wasting the world? I mean every day we're wasting stuff and the world is whatever I don't know I think the future will tell us what exactly we're doing um, but that song is um, yeah I just you know it just came to me one day that song is just I just look at it as like a painting of a of a scene of, of just the horror of
2: horror. Okay. Um, we're getting some emails in. And I uh, let me remind everybody that uh, we are talking with Brian McPherson about his new album Wedgwood. And you can talk with him too. You can call us at 347-215-7511. Or if you're sitting there at work, like I know a lot of you are with your headphones on, uh, you can email us. Music Friday Live at com. So let's turn to some of these emails. Uh, Kaddish in Santa Cruz says, Come on down here. We have a great community for social change and music. Have you ever played in Santa Cruz?
3: So I was you- just in Santa Cruz the other night. I'm in Santa Cruz all the time. They need to come <laughs> out to a show. <laughs> come on. Where are you? I'm there.
2: Okay, well, well, uh, where should Kadish go to find out about your schedule?
3: <laughs> uh, go to my website, sign my mailing list. And follow me on Facebook and Twitter, all that stuff.
2: Okay, Kaddish, you should get on his mailing list and you should follow him on Facebook and Twitter, and that way you'll know when he's in Santa Cruz uh, next time. Um, yeah, Sophie, Santa impe-
3: Cruz, uh the Santa Cruz Good Times just did a big write-up. Um, like in the last weekly edition about the record and the show and everything. It was really cool.
2: Great. And, and I love Santa Cruz. It's a wonderful town. Um, it's great. I used to surf there. Sophia in Portland says, cool. We don't have rage here, but we, we do stuff. So sing out and come on up to Portland and sing out with us.
3: Yeah. They have passive-aggressive rage in the Northwest. It's there. Just inverted. (laughs) And plenty of suicide, too.
2: And heroin. And and, and show (laughs) them how to do it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'm always in Portland. I love it up there. Okay.
2: (laughs) I love that passive aggressive rage. All right. Um, (laughs) um, Morales in Los Angeles uh, wants to know um, figure out this this sentence here. Uh, Oh, here it is. Okay. Which of the presidential candidates, if any, would you give your songs to? Uh
3: I don't know. Uh I've thought about that like what I would do if like some I think it would be hilarious if someone used one of my songs. Uh it depends on which song and which candidate. I don't know at this stage of the game I don't really I'm pretty jaded when it comes to politicians and the the uh, election the presidential election so i would say nobody really. but i am i the i am considering all candidates so
2: <laughs> <there> you <laughs> go <laughs> probably not donald trump but you know who knows maybe so um hey, and the I think I that'll bring,
3: be like hilarious
2: so <laughs> well you know I, I you're probably familiar with the story i don't know if our uh, our audience is where donald trump used a uh, a song um and was told by the uh, the singer, "I'm not going to use it," and gave it to uh, uh, one of his opponents or his Democratic opponent. Uh, so you have oh, to be a little careful that. with that. Oh, it Passing was um, uh, Neil Young. He used a Neil Young song, oh. and Neil Young got apoplectic about it and gave it to Bernie Sanders. Oh, sure he did.
4: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Ronald in St. Think. Louis uh, asks, uh, "Well, how do your songs go over here in the Midwest?" Good. <laughs> <laughs> Have you played in the Midwest?
3: Yeah, I was just in the Midwest. They love me in St. Louis. Do really well in St. Louis. Okay. Um, what else is I in the Midwest? I've been all around. Indiana, not so good. What we're building in Indiana. I'm gonna keep going back to Indianapolis until until we oh, rock in- that place.
2: Indiana's kind of an- a red. Bad-
3: yeah, Indiana is, is Indiana. It's. It's its own state. It's got its own thing going on there. It usually doesn't involve what I'm singing, but there's a couple people there into what I do, and I really appreciate them.
2: Well, you know, in general, Brian, since you're talking about it, your travels really sound fascinating. Uh, You know, you toured with Dropkick Murphy. You opened for Chuck Berry. How did that happen? How did you open for Chuck Berry?
3: Uh, Well, I know the promoter who was putting on the show in Boston, Woody Eastman, he was in a band called the Del Fuegos who did really well in the eighties. He's a fantastic drummer and uh, activist for um recovery and addiction and stuff like that now. And he was putting on a big show for his or for his like rehab organization and they got um Chuck Berry in And to do to do headline the gig. And at the time, I was like really coming up around in the Boston scene and stuff. And Woody was a really big supporter of mine. And he was like, hey, you want to open up for Chuck Berry? I was like, yeah. (laughs) And so uh, that's (laughs) how that worked out.
2: So you met Chuck.
3: Uh, Chuck walked by me, but he seemed (laughs) very nice. Okay, Chuck Uh, is—he's like you know—he's getting up there, and he—it's amazing what he can still do. You know, Um, he's still rocking and rolling after all these years. So it's a beautiful thing to see.
2: Yeah, it's a beautiful musical revolution that he helped kick off. Well, in the intro, um, I said that you have no permanent address, which is what your agent told me. Is that true? And if so, how does it work? Because you know, the tour has to end sometime.
3: Well, um, I, well, I mean, the tour is over now, so I'm looking at, um, subletting something here in Los Angeles for a month or so while I book the next tour, I was living in Northeast LA a couple months ago for a little while. Um, so I do have a permanent address. Um, I just kind of move around a lot. (laughs) Um, It's
2: an impermanent permanent address.
3: Yeah. I mean, I spend a lot of time in the van and on the road. So, um, and Sounds like a musician. So that's where I end up. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, well, I got a lot of emails here, so rather than read them all individually, I'm going to uh, just combine them because I mentioned um, at the in the in the introduction that uh, you were banned at Disneyland. Now, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't at Disneyland, but the Disney company banned you. Could you explain what happened there?
3: Yeah, I was on tour with uh, Dropkick Murphys, and um, we were playing. I had just done a bunch of shows in Canada and Northwest with them and then just got added to the Southern California to the Midwest dates. And anyways, uh, I was about a week before the show in Anaheim and we got an email from the booking agents who said he did everything possible to keep me on the bill, but Disney reserves the right to approve of every act that plays in that venue, even though it's not their venue, it's on their property. So they did not approve of my anti-police, anti government lyrics and drug insinuations, and I would not be allowed to perform. However, they would still pay me and give me free passes to their theme park.
2: You know, maybe maybe that's a better deal. Who knows?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I... uh I had no interest in going to the amusement park, but you know it was the best show I never played. Is how I like to talk about that okay, one. Okay,
2: all right, I like that one. Well, speaking of traveling, there are a couple of songs on the albums that evoke images of traveling. Um, Born on a highway, and this one, Hearts in a Boxcar. Let's listen to in a second. You know, there's a, a line in that song that really makes me think. It's all that we've got is all that remains. And the more I listen to that, the more I, I have to think about it. Uh, um, who are the hearts in the boxcar, and where are they going?
3: Um, I think hearts and boxcars are everybody. It's just people, you know. Their hearts and in and boxcars. I don't know. I don't know where we're going. We're going somewhere, though.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, the. We're we're now in the the political season, and uh, next year, of course, we have a a, a very critical election. Populism is surging uh, among both conservatives and uh, progressives. We've got you know Bernie Sanders on one side and Donald Trump on on the other. Um, Where will you be adding your voice and your talent to any, the the rising demand for change in the politicals? season?
3: I am always lending my voice to change, um, regardless of if there's an election or not. Um, so I'm just going to keep doing what I do um, in one way or another. I mean, this is kind of what I'm always doing. Um, so, yeah, I don't think okay. it's going to be any different from, from my perspective, from what I do. Um, All right.
2: Well, we're, we're, we're getting close on time. So I, there's one more song of yours I, I, I want to play. And this is uh Burn it down. So let's just listen to a few minutes, just a few seconds of this, okay? Yeah. I have, I've. Um, uh, first of all, I want to remind our listeners that's a different song than the Burn It Down that you heard two weeks ago by Alex Nestor when she was on the show. So quickly. Oh, no, another Burn It Down. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, well, there's probably lots of them. Uh, what's, what's the message there?
3: It's a good question, man. I would encourage anyone, if they want a message, to just go listen to the whole song and find out for themselves. Um, that song is just kind of like the peak of, uh, anger and dissent and where everything kinda of goes with that. Um and it's it's just how like protest turns into war, you know, for me. It's just it's kinda of like how where where does all this stuff go and what's the breaking point and that's kind of the breaking point. For me that's the breaking point on the record. And the end of the song is watch the world go dead, watch the world go dead, watch the world go dead. It's just the really dark kind of uncompromising, honest song about feeling angry. Um, and it happens. And, it's you know, I'm not denying anger, but it's it's not necessarily always productive either. And that song kind of, that's kind of like the, okay. for me, it's the peak of the record. The last, the next song that comes after that one is Oh Darling, and that's kind of like the peaceful resolution to the inner tor- turmoil that is the journey of Wedgwood for me. Um, we'll, the, we'll the whole record is a journey into the fire and out of the fire. Um,
2: well, I want to encourage people to take that journey. Um, and because we're out of time now to, to continue it ourselves, but, but Brian, I want to thank you very much for spending the time with us. And, uh, I look forward to, uh, seeing you live too, when you start up your tour again. So thank you for spending the time with us today.
3: Thank you very much. I appreciate all your questions and everything it was really good. Thanks.
2: Uh, Brian McPherson. The album is called Wedgewood. It's his third album, and you can get all of his albums at his uh, at the music store on his website. That's uh, McPherson dot com, or you can also find him at Bandcamp or iTunes. Now we're going to have to take a break now. When we come back, Jim Pugh is going to be with us. We're going to talk about uh, music you may not have heard, but boy, when you do, you're going to be really happy about this. You're not gonna you're not going to want to miss this at all. Well, we're back here at Music Friday Live and I just want to remind everybody that uh we just talked with Brian uh, McPherson, and you can get his new album Wedgewood. We have a surprise caller on the line and because of that, I am going to kind of move the schedule around. We usually uh we usually run an ad at this point and I I read an ad, but I think my sponsor Solar City will Forgive me if I don't do that, because we have a special caller on the line uh, right now. So, uh, hello, this is Mitre.
1: Hello, Patrick. How are you?
2: I'm very good. I'm very good. We actually thought we were going to talk to you at the top of the hour, but this is fine. Now, now you're going to be at the um, pavilion tonight. Do you want to tell us real quickly about that?
1: Yes. uh, It's going to be a free show. It starts at 8 p.m., um it, it's going to be great because uh, Elsa Elmar is going to play. Gustavo Galindo is going to play. And I'm going to have Irene Diaz and Jimena Muñoz as guests in the stage. Uh, you're going to see La Catrina there. Uh, we're promoting Casio Recuerdo with Irene Diaz. Uh, there's, it's going to be a, a, a very special night, and we're expecting a lot of people. Uh, make sure you arrive on time because, uh, as, as I said, it's free and 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 you can bring uh, all your family. There's no age limit or restriction, uh, and it's okay. going to be really fun. Uh,
2: it it is, and I'm I'm going to be there. Uh, my family's going to be there. Let me just remind everybody: it's at the uh, Levitt Pavilion. that's in MacArthur Park in Los Angeles on on, uh, Alvarado and 6th Street. You can take Metro there. I think the red line goes there, but check the maps. You can also drive. You're on at 8 o'clock. I think the whole evening starts about 630, and there'll be food trucks and booths and all that sort of thing. And uh, it's going to be a night to remember. So, Mitre, first of all, congratulations. This is going to be a great thing for you. And thank you for calling in and telling us about it.
1: Thank you, and hope to see you tonight.
2: I'll see you tonight. Bye-bye now.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
2: Well, we usually interview rising and mid artists on Music Friday Live. And, uh, you know, I see my job as finding really good musicians who need a boost and uh, helping them out. and. So making sure that other people can hear them. And our next guest does something very similar. Although he's a musician, he's an artist with a 40-year career that includes gold and platinum albums and a Grammy and playing with some of the best stars in the music, Uh, and we're not going to be playing any of his music today. We're going to be playing music that introduces us to musicians that he supports through his foundation, The foundation and these are and this is a foundation that finds and funds musicians that you've never heard but are really glad when you do founder and president of the foundation jim Pugh, uses his resources to chronicle uncharted music from unexpected american places music that didn't make it to the mainstream for some reason but should have and maybe with his help will jim welcome to music friday
5: live well it's great to be here um I enjoy hearing somebody else talk about uh, Little Village Foundation. Um, you put it very well. I appreciate that very much. Thank you.
2: Well, well, thank you. And I, I really appreciate the Little Village Foundation. But before we dive into it uh, and the wonderful artist that that you brought us today, I, I want to just introduce you a little bit to our audience so they know who you are, they have a feel for for you. And now you're a keyboardist. You're an organ organist. You played blues and R&B and jazz for 40 years. Is that right?
5: Uh, Among other things, I mean, I have done, you know, certainly had, I've played, when I first came to California in the early 70s, I played uh, Mexican music for, conjunto music for for a few years, and I've I've also dabbled in gospel and jazz and folk and popular music as well, but it has been primarily rhythm and blues um, music that I've played certainly in the last 25 years with Robert Cray but um uh-huh. yeah you're right <laughs> I, <guess that. laughs>
2: I don't hear that very often um what 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 made you decide to start the little village foundation
5: um it it actually it it, it was a way of me of my for myself of combining the three things that i found when i operate as a, as a musician when i use the three elements and that is music, um, diversity, and service. When I do all those things at the same time, I'm the most productive and the the happiest. So this is just, and I have done that, I think, um, going back into when I was a teenager, um, that I like the, 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 the rich pastiche, if you will, of the combination of different kinds of music. And that's part of the idea of Little Village Foundation, which is to explore the commonality of us all through the diversity of music. So when you listen to a bunch of different styles of music, you could, there is an underlying commonality, and there is obviously in all of us as people on this planet. And that's kind of the idea. And I've had this in a really organic way, have felt this, for my whole career as a musician. And this is just a way, the foundation is a way of gathering like-minded people and sort of showing this in a different way, more formally than I have done it in my career as a musician. Well,
2: in the foundation, how do you support artists? Now, I know you were recently involved in the Waterfront Blues Festival in Portland. Is this a way to support artists Artists to give them a stage.
5: It, it is, and 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 actually, it's you know, so it it, it it Little Village Foundation has been described as a record company, and it is not in the most traditional sense of a record company. I mean, we do not uh, the foundation. Uh, um, Does not own any of the intellectual property. We don't administer the publishing. We don't sell our artists the record, you know, our the CD, their CDs. Which most record companies. This is not a 360 deal. We don't take anything. We simply the sustainability is derived, hopefully, (laughs) through donations. And so far, so good. Um, We we pay all the production costs. And we uh, pay for – it's a very small model. We pay for 1,000 CDs and a limited um, PR promo campaign. And um, I'm promoting the idea of Little Village Foundation by promoting the artists. That's my – what we get from that is profile. And that's what we're looking for is to sort of spread the word. And in a way, it's a form – it's almost like listener-sponsored radio – Except this is listener-sponsored, um, you know, uh, production. <laughs> I mean, production, and yeah, and right. and people, and then this is sort of a model that's kind of unfolding, but there, are, people can become involved in it to any degree to, that they wish, and I don't mean artists necessarily, but actually, people who are fans of music and of the ideas behind Little Village Foundation. They can be involved in it financially and, and uh, as donors. And as donors, they can be involved in the production of it as well. Oh, okay. um, so it, there is this ability sort of to I – th- I find that there are – I have found recently that people enjoy the magic of music. That there's a lot of wonderment about it. Just how do you do that? I said, well, you can stand next as close to the flame of creativity as you want. Come to participate. <laughs> And I'm finding people that are, are interested in that. Um, well, they're not telling people what to do. They're just sort of silent observers. So,
2: well, let's uh, let let's hear a little bit of that. This is uh, Wee Willie Walker. He's one of the artists in the. Uh, he was at the Waterfront Blues Festival, yes. and I believe he's one of the. Uh, he does some really really classic rock and roll. you in the
4: They smack you in your face when I had my big money You rode my gravel train I hit one little rough
0: spot on just like that you changed I'm gonna let
2: the hands up <laughs> Now that... That is absolutely classic uh, R and B. It's some of the best I've ever heard. Uh, this man should be headlining at the Blue Whale in Los Angeles or the Blue Note in New York City. W- what did you do for Wee Willie, and where is he now?
5: Wee Willie is, and uh, he is. A, it's a compelling story to me. Um, he's from Memphis. He was originally in the '60s on Gold Wax, and at some point, uh, the Gold Wax label. Um, and at some point he moved to Minneapolis um, and I, I don't think, I, I think he stopped performing music for years. And just in the last, I think five or 10 years started going up as a paying customer went on the, he's in his late sixties, early seventies. He started going on the blues cruise, which your audience may have heard of. It's a cruise they do in the Caribbean and now I think they do it off of the Pacific in Mexico. But He would go on these cruises and just try to sit in, and nobody knew who he was. And uh, at one point, Rick Estrin, who has a group of his own that was appearing on the blues cruise, he recognized him and said, wait a minute, let him sing. They, They wouldn't, you know, he would go jam sessions and they wouldn't let him sing. And so finally he sang, and everybody really started to take notice of this guy, Curtis Salgado and other people within the blues community. Oh. Really and I got called to uh, They were going to do a recording session They didn't have a record deal or anything And I got called to play on it And I started thinking This is actually one of the first groups That uh, fit kind of the mold of Little Village Foundation
2: Well, I I I love that story And uh, you've got a lot of stories in the, the Little Village Foundation And I want to switch things up just a, a, a little bit here um, and moved to Central California and about the mid-century, and play uh, bits from two songs, one of which have, starts with a story. So, so let's listen to uh, um, a cowboy named Dave Ellis.
6: California had thousands of wild cattle, wild horses, and a man, Captain Dana, ran a hide and tallow company. He had pretty much control of it. They didn't have the cattle for beef. The grizzly bears that roamed California then ate the beef. The hide and the towel made its way around South America to the East Coast for candles and for jackets and for hats. And so here's a her little song about Captain Dana. My name is Juan Medina of the Carol
0: Caravans- Once.
2: Now that's the uh, the Vaquero song by Dave Ellis. Now I want to play another one of his songs. Uh, this is uh, Red-Headed Stranger.
6: In the middle 50s, my father would be working late nights. I worked in the oil fields, and my mother would sit up on her bed and she played for us kids. And this is one of the songs that she used to always play for us. And I never heard it again till the middle 70s, 74, 75. But I was happy to get a hold of it again. Red headed stranger from Blue Rock, Montana, rode into town one day. And under his legs was a raging black stallion. Walking behind was a babe. The red-headed stranger had eyes like thunder, lips they were cold and tight.
2: I, I I love those those two recordings and and the way you started them with with, with the the storytelling absolutely priceless.
5: Where did you oh, find great. Abe Ellis?
2: Right?
5: Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he is a, he is. I met him. I sat next to him at a Merle Haggard concert at a casino over here by my house. I had a friend of mine that was playing in the Lonesome Strangers, and, and I went and over and watched Merle. And, and I sit next to this guy, and I start talking to him, and he says that he, he's a cowboy and, uh, out in Porterville outside of Bakersfield. And I kind of pursued him after that. I <laughs> I found out that he was at this thing called the Horseman's Convention uh, the, up in um, – the Horsemen's Reunion was up in Paso Robles, and I, I drove up there, and it was, they take 40 horses and 40 trainers, uh, horse starters they're called, yeah. um, and they take four days and they train them. And it's a pretty amazing thing to watch. It was at the rodeo ring up there in Paso Robles in the county fairgrounds. And I just went up to them and I said, you know, I think you should we should make a record together. And he went, "Why would you want to record me?" And I go, <laughs> I,
4: "You
5: know, he wasn't looking." And then that's part of of LVF is to sort of look for things, looking for people who are trying not to be found. Some people are not trying not to be found, or are not interested in being found. You know, it is a little bit of, of a. He's kind of an example of the uh, real gems that exist. Underneath, what uh, I think, I, I part of what I bo- will really strongly believe is that we're only being shown a small percentage of what really exists in the musical field, if you will, out there. Oh, and I think there's a lot out there to, to be heard. And maybe it's not gonna it's not gonna overtake, you know, us listening to um, Willie Nelson or. Anybody like that, I mean, so in terms of a percentage of a, how much we consume, but if it was just to be two or three percent a day of what our musical consumption would be, I think that it would really make a big difference in people's lives, including the people who listen to it and that's really I, I the once idea.
2: did a, a a little back of the envelope calculation um about trying to figure out how many bands there are in l a and I came up with a number. Something around 10,000, right? Right. So you're absolutely right. Um, you mentioned Mer- Merle Haggard. Was Dave Ellis part of the Bakersfield Sound?
5: Uh, he wasn't actually part of it because he's not a professional musician. I think he may have played at one time or another in some of those places, but he certainly went to them um, and saw Merle and Buck Owens and certainly yeah. came out, grew up hearing that, Um and it's also interesting to know, and it's kind of a musician thing, but we all sort of, when these different genres, you, you expect that somebody like Dave Ellis would only listen to Merle Haggard or Buck Owens or people like that, but he actually has a a, a widespread of um, musical knowledge. And so that's kind of, I mean, when I filmed his campfire up in Porterville, he actually sang a wide swath of songs. And to just expect somebody... A cowboy to just sing cowboy songs. Well, they listen to everything, and so did Duke Ellington. He listened to, you know, he listened to Stravinsky. So,
2: well, I find and that and you can that, go on uh, down the
5: line. You know,
2: I find that my audience uh, listens to, as you as if you listen to the show uh, a lot. Uh, I I play everything uh, except classical here, and uh, apparently the audience here listens to it too. Now, speaking of different genres, you pointed me to some striking music that. Um, I actually, I would have never, I don't, would have never even known about, just found myself, even though I follow Mexican pop music, and as you can tell from uh, the guest just before you, Mitre, um, I stick up, I, you know, I, I go to the shows and know the, know the musicians. Well, here is uh, Mixtech Music. And correct me if I'm not pronouncing it right, is uh, Ya Svic Sunvico. It's by Los, Los Tres Amigos Sunvico. And it sounds very Mexican, but it's not like any Mexican music form that I know. It's not Ranchero, it's not Conjunto, it's not Norteño. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about it um, and tell us about the group that's playing it? Uh,
5: well, the music itself, from what I understand, uh, well, I should say. The Mischtec people uh, that live by me in Santa Maria, there's 25,000 of them, uh, mostly undocumented field workers, farm workers. Um, They don't speak English and they don't speak Spanish. So I've had to find a translator. um, And, you know, it it has been so – so what I actually know about the music itself is – Kind of little, not that much. I understand that it's wedding. A lot of it is wedding music, um, and there's a description. The one that you played was was um, part of that, part of the the meal time music that they have during after a wedding.
2: Well, the uh, th- do they record or do they tour? Or is there any other place where people can hear this music?
5: No, Patrick. These Would- are the- these guys are um, farm workers. I mean, they're actually... Uh, I had the experience of having MTV called me. that They were expressing some interest in the story, and they wanted to know if they'd be willing to do an interview. And I actually had MTV on one line, and I had um, one of the guys that speaks some English uh, I was talking to him while he was actually at work. So these are not professional musicians.
2: How By any they just sound really good. So, so what was it like to record them? How did you do that?
5: Uh, it's there's no overdubs. I mean, it's it was done in a couple of days, a couple of evenings actually. I had to. It started out by you know I went over to where these guys are living, somebody's house. There was two bedroom house with what I could figure out to be three families, fifteen people living in it. People, they, from what I could see, that they work pretty much from dark to dark every day. Um, and there's a lot of problems that go along with, I think, that marginalized is a fair word to describe these people. Um, if you don't speak English, you don't speak Spanish, you're, you know, you're marginalized. So anyway, um, what was the question? I'm digressing. Well, well um, uh, what was it like to
2: record them? Did you... Drive them oh, to, it was great. Uh, they were they studio. were they
5: were fabulous. You know, they're they it really just sort of started and they just played through. This is material a lot of them had been playing for years.
2: Were you in a studio?
5: Yeah, I took I actually started out by going to see them in their house and then I, I figured that they would enjoy, other than doing a f- field recording like Strakowitz or Alan Lomax, I thought part of the thing is these guys would like to be in a recording studio and they were really happy. They showed up in their native kind of. Uh, dress, you know, and, and then we took some photographs and they sang. I mean, they didn't sing, I'm sorry. They, it's instrumental music. Yeah. And they played. And actually, really interesting, Patrick, to me is, is that they've actually sold 500 copies within their community of this record already. Wow. Well, and they're I'm on their okay. way to sign their next 500 and they're going to order 1,000 after that because they're within their own community. There is no documented music. So, I'll this is... The, it's, they have a competition with Uh-oh. no one. Oh, you know,
2: so. okay. Well, I want to uh, switch it up a little bit. I've, I've saved the most energetic for last. And we're going to go out with a bang and with the blues. This is Ron Thompson, and this is the telephone blues. Mick Fleetwood uh, called Ron Thompson his favorite guitarist. Now, uh, I saw him live once at the San Francisco Blues Festival. Now, how Uh did you meet up with him?
5: Uh, I've known Ron for, oh, probably 30 years, maybe longer. And um, it's sort of a friendship that was based in music. We worked together off and on for years. And then I kind of lost track of him for a few years and, Like a lot of us, he got older, and and, uh, as you get older, the popularity seemed to sort of be waning for him, and and his popularity was regional at best. Um, And so I just sort of decided that just because you get older doesn't mean that you shouldn't be heard. So we're in the process of trying to also raise his profile and, and get him out in front of people. Um, And it's been very successful so far, so we're very happy with that.
2: Well, that's a a nice segue for me to ask you, how do people get copies of these CDs that you record and produce? Where do they go?
5: Uh, You can go to CD Baby, um, you can go to iTunes, and you can go to Amazon.com at this point. This is all sort of, we just actually, the release was uh, June 30th, so it's just in the last few weeks. This is all up and running.
2: They should also go to the foundation's website, too, to see the videos and actually learn who it is. You want to give people right, that. Right, absolutely. Uh,
5: LittleVillageFoundation.com. And, uh, again, we, we, I get phone calls all the time now from record stores and people like that wanting to have, you know, assuming that I have inventory. All our inventory is given to the artists. They become their own little record companies themselves. The only thing is, unlike a lot of record companies these days, most of them, all of them, we don't sell... Uh, yeah, the CDs to ours. We give it to them. I have no stake. We have no stake in any of it. Well, we have a, a lot of emails here, which unfortunately
2: we're not going to be able to um, to address. But I just want to let you know real quick. Jasmine in New Orleans um, wants to, to wants to, to know that this is really positive. Uh, baby in Los Angeles says this is wonderful and uh, is going to go to your website and get on your mailing list. Uh, Rialto in New York want you to tour uh, uh, or send your musicians to uh, to New York. Uh, Ceci oh, wow. in San Francisco wants to know where you found a Mixtech translator. So she can email you and you, maybe you can email back. But Absolutely. Just it's
5: a great story. I'll bet.
2: Um, everybody, though, should, should go to your website and uh, see all the musicians listed there. Look at the videos. There's some great videos there uh it's what you what you do i love what you do i and i think people should get involved in it they should donate if they've got production skills let you know about it whatever it is you need absolutely um, uh, this is uh this is this is one of the gyms of california well we were going to play frankie and johnny um but um i think we'll probably go go out on that but uh jim we've been having so much fun we are out of time so i want to thank you so much for being with us today
5: Thank you, Patrick, and thank you for all the listeners. Please forward any email to me that you have. I'm happy to hear. I'm a, I'm a foundation of one, so I'm, I'm, alone, I'm out here working. Okay. It's great to hear those things that you said. I appreciate it so much. Thank you.
2: Thank you. And uh, you've been that was Jim Pugh, founder of the Little Village Foundation. Uh, and, again, check him out at littlevillage.com. Well, you've been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from Los Angeles, California. You've been listening to us on the Cyber Station USA Network, the Blog Talk Radio Network, and our radio affiliates. Like our Facebook page, follow our Twitter feeds, and you'll get a real-time update on our guest. Our producer is Lars Christensen. Our program director is Jason Bartlebin. Our intern is Angeline Serrano. You can download this and other Music Friday programs at blogtalkradio.com slash musicfriday. We will be on vacation told July 24th. Now you can still get your fix of Music Friday live by downloading a podcast at uh, blogtalkradio.com Music Friday. And when we return, we're going to return with stories and songs on July 24th, and the fabulous American Latin music band Los Capiteras is going to be with us. And if we're lucky, if we're lucky, Chris Wise, former bassist in the Cult, he'll be with us. He adores you wrong.
0: Raggy is your man That dirty rag, he gonna do you own
4: Okay, oh, I guess that's